Hi, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, I do encourage you to check out my other podcast, covering brand new movies out in theaters. It is called the Quipster Film Review Podcast. You can check out that link anytime at Quipster.net. Today, I'm going to get into... The beginning of another three-part series. Actually, it spins off kind of from the previous series. I just looked at a couple of Fletch films, and that reminds me that there are other films of the 1980s that feature bumbling detectives who wear disguises, specifically. So the next three films I'm going to be covering on this show are bumbling detectives in films of the 1980s. Fletch technically was not a detective. He was a reporter, but... These will be actual detectives. When you think of bumbling detectives, one of the first names you probably come up with, if not the top name, is Inspector Clouseau. So this first film I'm going to be looking at will be one of the Pink Panther series. Now, obviously there were five, six, depending on how you count it. There was one film that was called Inspector Clouseau that did not have Peter Sellers in it or was directed by Blake Edwards. But there were many films that came out before the 1980s that I could be covering here in order to gear up toward the two Pink Panther films that came out in the 80s. However, because most of that series exists outside of the 80s, and you can watch these two Pink Panther films with only a very passing familiarity with the characters, I think that I will just choose to concentrate on the two films that came out in the 1980s. So, so the first one happens to be Trail of the Pink Panther, and it's a film that I think most people will be entertained about hearing the making of the movie than they will be in actually watching the movie. But, you know, it does have its fans. And I do want to talk about some of that because I do find a lot of it very fascinating. So from 1982, Trail of the Pink Panther is a PG-rated film, as are pretty much all of the other Pink Panther series, at least up to that point. Brief nudity, comic violence, some language. The runtime is an hour and 36 minutes. Peter Sellers is the star. Now, it did come out in 1982, and he died in 1980. Uh, I guess I'll get into the reason why he's the star here. Herbert Lom returns for... Herbert Lom returns as Dreyfus. Joanna Lumley, David Niven, Robert Loggia, Burt Kwok, Graham Stark, Richard Mulligan, Capuchine, and Denise Crosby are in the film. Blake Edwards returns as the director... Edwards also co-wrote the screenplay along with his son, Jeffrey Edwards. Frank Waldman and Tom Waldman do get credit for their screenplay, but that's because it does contain footage from films that they scripted before. Now, Peter Sellers, who played the bumbling, yet somehow highly effective, Inspector Clouseau, he died on July 24th, 1980. And he is to whom... Trail of the Pink Panther, which was released two and a half years after his death, it would be dedicated to him. Sellers had been slated to appear shortly before his death in 1980 in a different Pink Panther film. That one was going to be entitled The Romance of the Pink Panther. He co-wrote that film himself along with help from Jim Maloney, who had helped Peter Sellers write 1980's The Fiendish Plot of Dr. Fu Manchu. This would have been Sellers' first attempt at playing Inspector Clouseau without the guiding hand of Blake Edwards as a writer or director. Sellers had originally wanted to direct himself, but the studio instead selected Sidney Poitier to helm the film. Poitier would end up eventually leaving the project because there were delays with the script, and that brought in Clive Donner, who directed Peter Sellers in What's New Pussycat. 
Donner would end up getting attached at one point. Now, one person who was not going to be the director, you'll notice, is Blake Edwards. Reportedly, Peter Sellers and Blake Edwards constantly butted heads, and they ended up having a falling out that made Sellers vow, and supposedly he vowed many times before this, that he would never work with him again. That sometimes gets overstated. Sellers did do a cameo appearance in Edwards' 1979 comedy called Ten, although it did not end up making the final cut, so he wasn't actually in the movie in the end. Now, Sellers promised that his movie would expose deeper sides to Clouseau than just being this slapstick buffoon. He would react to this woman, a jewel thief, no less, who would end up falling deeply in love with him, and he being the man who sought to apprehend her made for quite a conflict. Now, Clouseau would have no knowledge that the woman he was seeing and the world-renowned cat burglar he was chasing, he did not know they were one and the same, at least until you get toward the end. Pamela Stevenson was slotted to play that role at some point, The intended conclusion of the film would have the novelty of seeing Clouseau choose love over duty. He would retire from sleuthing and marry into her life of crime, literally. Maybe it's not a coincidence, but Blake Edwards would end up doing that with the character of Clouseau in his next film after Trail of the Pink Panther called Curse of the Pink Panther, which I will talk about in the next episode. It would be a lucrative deal for sellers. It was a guaranteed $3 million and 10% of the gross as part of the contract. However, heart failure would assure that romance of the Pink Panther would never get made, unfortunately. Nevertheless, Sellers would indeed appear in one more film in the series, and it would be directed by Blake Edwards. Of course, albeit without Sellers' consent, in Trail of the Pink Panther, and what an interesting film this is. Now, Blake Edwards... He had directed Sellers as Clouseau in all of his previous five films, not counting Inspector Clouseau, which I think had Alan Arkin in it. Edwards was approached about continuing the series in Sellers' absence several months after his death. Although it would have to wait, Edwards had already moved on to Victor Victoria as his next film. MGM, who had just purchased the financially troubled United Artists after their Heaven's Gate debacle, they wanted Dudley Moore to take over the Clouseau role. And to continue on the series, they even thought he could complete the romance of the Pink Panther, which Dudley Moore said he would do only if Blake Edwards was the director, having had a great relationship working with him in 10 just the year before. Now, Dudley Moore claimed he only wanted to play Clouseau once, and he wanted to give the character a proper ending. However, United Artists wanted him to continue on beyond that, to enter into a four-picture deal So the fit between them just was not there. Dudley Moore had already been in talks with uh, Blake Edwards on an intended spy comedy spinoff from the Pink Panther series called The Ferret before Edwards decided to use Dudley Moore as a last-minute replacement to take the lead role in 10. So they had a working relationship, although it seemed to be conditional as to whatever Edwards had coming down the pipe. Now, even so, Blake Edwards felt that only Peter Sellers could ever really be Clouseau, and he decided against using Dudley Moore as Clouseau. Although, if you watch this film, it should be noted here that Edwards does use different actors to play Clouseau in this very film at various ages, and that's not counting the use of a body double to complete uh, some scenes as Clouseau. Now, Edwards felt that there should be a new detective with a new actor instead to continue the series, and that lost the interest of Dudley Moore, who really didn't want to get typecast into a recurring role. He really just wanted to be one and done, 
Effectively, the romance of the Pink Panther was not going to be used. Edwards had already tried to make a similar film anyway with Rough Cut before he was fired from it in the late 70s. Nevertheless, MGM was keen on getting some returns for United Artists' most lucrative franchise at that time, and so they pressured Edwards to continue the series somehow. Edwards remembered that there was plenty of unused footage from previous Pink Panther films that he could use to almost to make another movie out of them. In 1982, people did not have VCRs, so they probably weren't going to mind so much watching clips they haven't seen in some time or within the context of another film you know, this was an era where people didn't have DVD players. Obviously, this is long before that to see deleted scenes. So they would not have seen many of the outtakes and they may not have seen the other Pink Panther films in some time either or remember them. And he could use the details of this movie to springboard his Pink Panther series into a different bumbling detective that we would follow that would be kicked off with Curse of the Pink Panther, which Edwards made simultaneously in order to save costs. The finished plot of Trail of the Pink Panther ends up involving the theft of the infamous and priceless Pink Panther diamond from the fictional country of Lugash, and Chief Inspector Clouseau, at the request of the president of Lugash, is brought in yet again to investigate its whereabouts against the wishes, of course, of Commissioner Dreyfus, who knows that Clouseau is the world's most bumbling detective. In the course of the globe-hopping investigation, a plane carrying Clouseau ends up going down into the ocean where it is presumed he may have finally met his fate. In an echo to Citizen Kane, a television reporter is called forth to talk to those who knew Clouseau well, from co-workers to those he helped put away, as well as those who knew of his activities prior to joining the police from his childhood upbringing to becoming a resistance fighter for France in World War II. So if you want to call that a plot, I guess it's a plot of sorts. It's kind of a, a fragmented plot at the very best. About a third of the runtime of Trail of the Pink Panther consists of about eight scenes that were excised and outtake footage from four of the prior films. Almost all of the outtakes come from 1976's The Pink Panther Strikes Again. Reportedly, there were other outtakes in other films, but they did not want to pay to secure the rights from outtakes like 1975's Return of the Pink Panther, which, whose rights were owned by one of the producers of that film, Sir Lou Grade of ITC Entertainment. After enough footage and a concocted plot were put together to establish that Clouseau has gone missing, there is this second-half narrative that is constructed surrounding a famous television reporter named Marie Jouvet, played by Joanna Lumley, who interviews friends and foes of Clouseau to get the scoop on whether they feel he might still be alive. Since they knew him best, they might provide some insight, I suppose, and this allows them to complete the film with a lot of flashbacks to scenes from prior films. Needless to say, for fans of the series, the enjoyment does dip when Peter Sellers is off the screen, and since he's primarily absent during the second half, with the exception of some clips that most people have seen before, it's only a halfway enjoyable movie in that regard. Now, the new scenes for Trail of the Pink Panther were written by Blake Edwards and his son, Jeffrey. They had already been busy working on a new Pink Panther film with a different bumbling detective to continue the series in Seller's absence. That would be called Curse of the Pink Panther and was released into theaters in 1983, about eight months after Trail. Both Trail and Curse were being worked on simultaneously, as I mentioned earlier. They could use many of the same sets, the same props, the same costumes, and the same actors. And that would represent a significant cost-saving 
for both films, reportedly made on a combined budget of about $17 million. Roughly $6 million of that went to Trail, and the remaining $11 million went to Curse. Now, longtime fans of the series have noted that Trail of the Pink Panther contains several plot points that are not in keeping with the events of the prior films, especially when you consider that they retained Herbert Lom's Dreyfus character as commissioner, despite having destroyed the UN building and his attempts to ruin England in The Pink Panther Strikes Again. Clouseau also meets Alec Drummond in this film, although they had already met when that character appeared in Strikes Again, which is why the use of deleted scenes really does not work very well. There are a number of other inconsistencies I could mention, but Edwards was making the film in a hurry, not to mention being involved in a concurrent film in that franchise, so he felt that few in the audience would likely remember or even care if they did, given the nature of this film and the novelty of how it got put together. One thing that's also frustrating is that two things that the plot hinges on for Trail of the Pink Panther. One is the recovery of the Pink Panther jewel, and the other is the ultimate fate of where Clouseau is. They are not satisfactorily dealt with by the end of the film. Instead, it points to having to complete the saga in another upcoming film, Curse of the Pink Panther, as a possibility to help resolve what's incomplete. You know, people did not want to sign on for having to watch two movies just to find out what happens. Clouseau doesn't even come close to solving the mystery of the missing jewel in this film, and the reporter doesn't come close herself to solving the mystery of the missing Clouseau. Like Citizen Kane again, the final shot does end up revealing to us in the audience the key to the mystery of Clouseau, whether he's alive or dead, you do find out at the very end. Although it's not particularly revelatory of any deeper thematic truth other than perhaps to suggest that Clouseau will always be alive so long as we have his movies to enjoy, the clip show at the very end during the end credits would suggest that that's really what the theme of this movie is if it has a theme at all. Unfortunately, this does relegate this movie as a pretty pointless exercise in regurgitation for viewers who want to follow the story beyond just reminiscing about the series and Sellers many funny performances within it. Now, the real mystery on the minds of most viewers, however, is not whether Clouseau continues to exist, but rather if Clouseau actually can continue to exist beyond the death of its iconic character to portray him. Blake Edwards seeks to state here, at least seemingly, that the character indeed can outlive the man that portrays him if the fans want him to, and he has come up with this scheme by which the character can have a life beyond death if you follow the two films that he produced in the 1980s. There is some new material here. You know, you have the animated opening sequence that's new. The excised outtakes, I guess you could consider them new since most people had not seen them before. And there are scenes involving Clouseau's father, played by Richard Mulligan, there's a whole sequence there toward the end of the film, accompanied by flashbacks to Jacques Cousteau's youth. Those are all new to the series. The television reporter's investigation is also new. It ties up all of these vignettes, but it does raise more questions as to the intent because the reporter does not appear to actually be looking for what happened to the physical plane or searching anywhere in the vicinity of wherever Clouseau may actually have been last seen. She seems to resolve that the way to understand whether Clouseau is still alive or not is through interviews with his associates. Even this angle does make little sense, as you can imagine. She interviews no one who had actually really known Clouseau for about two decades, maybe except for Dreyfus, who despises Clouseau, and Cato, who seems to only have a relationship with him to attack him and sharpen his martial arts skills. So they're not really that close as far as friends. 
It's depressing to think, if you want to delve deeper into that, that Clouseau really had no one at all to speak for him that truly cared about him. None of them know anything about his disappearance, so they offer no clues there, and that makes this angle all a bust, other than as an excuse to fill up the runtime with clips fans have seen before or outtakes that really don't have a lot of context for this film. Then again, what better way to celebrate the most incompetent sleuth, who everyone thinks is a genius, than by having the world's seemingly least competent investigative reporter trying to track him down. Actor David Niven is brought in here. They rented out a huge villa near his home on the French Riviera to shoot a scene for the film, but Niven was noticeably suffering from conditions brought on by ALS, a.k.a. Lou Gehrig's disease by this point. He really didn't want to be there, but he had a loyalty to Blake Edwards, so he gave consent to appear in the film. Unfortunately, by this point in his illness, Niven's voice was weak and therefore could not really be used without requiring some overdubs, which is you know very common in films, even for people who are not suffering from a weak voice. But Niven was just ailing too badly to be asked to come back after that point. Comedian and celebrity impersonator Rich Little was brought in to mimic Niven's voice. For his post-production recordings, Rich Little ended up listening for many days on end leading up to his performance, his vocal performance here, to Niven's books on tape in order to practice the right pitch and the right cadence necessary. Little is no stranger to doing David Niven's impression. He did it as part of his act. Also, he had mimicked Niven's voice for the only occasions that the Pink Panther, the cartoon character of the Pink Panther, had actually talked in a couple of animated shorts from 1965. Those are called Sink Pink and Pink Ice. Little did the voice of Pink Panther as Niven, so kind of a novelty there. The dubbing ended up being done in secret for Trailer of the Pink Panther. Niven was not even told he was going to be overdubbed. And when he did find out about it, reportedly he was rather depressed that someone else's voice had to be used. Rich Little's involvement would eventually be revealed after David Niven's death on July 29th, 1983. That was shortly before the release of Curse of the Pink Panther. So he ultimately did get some credit and some notoriety there. Beyond this, the incorporation of the old material is problematic as presented because they are meant to be memories but are pieced together as fictional films. Nevertheless, David Niven says at one point, To my dying day, I'll never forget the old man trying to cross the street. And that flashes back to a scene from 1963's The Pink Panther, the original film, in which David Niven's character is barely even a participant. So how does he remember to his dying day this moment? As if the blending of Niven, the actor, and his own character has somehow become a single entity for the scene, not only playing his fictional character, but also one with meta-knowledge that knows he is part of this series of movies. But the fact remains... While this is a scene put in to help us remember our fondness of the past Pink Panther films, it does tell us nothing about Clouseau himself since Sellers is not really in that scene and it doesn't really push the story forward because the scene really doesn't have anything to do with any of the rest of the film. It is, like so much of Trail of the Pink Panther, more about Blake Edwards' feelings about his Pink Panther films than anything else. So it's a fan film made by a fan of his own work and we're just watching it. The trail of the Pink Panther is still filled with good character actors, although the actual casting choices are a little bit suspect. Robert Loggia plays sort of a kingpin of the French underworld named Bruno Langlois, but with his rough New York accent that suggests he's probably spent little to no time at all in France, despite being the kingpin of their underworld. 
Further adding to the confusion for people who watched this film, Loja had already appeared in a prior entry in the series, in fact, the previous one, Revenge of the Pink Panther, playing a different mafioso character named Al Marcioni, and he did it in a way that's nearly identical in performance to the Bruno character here. Now, responding to criticisms, Curse of the Pink Panther, the following film, does reportedly reveal that they are, in fact, the same character, so... I guess convenient there. Denise Crosby is in this film, the granddaughter of Bing Crosby. Most people know her today as Tasha Yar from Star Trek The Next Generation. She plays Bruno's Maul. But fans should note here that there's really little for her to do. She had been cast primarily because she was on the road to becoming Blake Edwards' daughter-in-law at the time she was engaged to Blake's son, Jeffrey, who co-wrote the film. So as you can probably tell from the tone of this retrospective look at the film. I'm not a huge fan of it, although I am a fan of the series. I did like seeing a lot of the outtakes that I had not seen before, and it is remarkable to see just how funny and talented that Peter Sellers actually is. So from that point, since I had not seen a Pink Panther film in a while, I was entertained by the film in parts, at least the parts where Peter Sellers was on the screen. The rest of it is kind of a wash. It is really not a good way to make a movie. At best, I will say it's a bittersweet experience, It is disjointed, and it's not nearly as enjoyable on its own as any of the prior entries in the franchise. But there is that nostalgic reminder of the genius of Peter Sellers to sell it, so most who are not huge fans of the series will probably choose to ignore it, but it is a film primarily made for the fans, after all. So indeed, as captured by the cameras and put together by Blake Edwards, we in the audience, those who've gotten to know Clouseau through these movies, as well as our observances in Peter Sellers' portrayal of him, he can indeed never die. He exists in perpetuity through our collective replays of their greatest cases on film. So if you look at it from a meta standpoint, the fact that there are clips here, and this is about whether Clouseau can ever die, really, The suggestion that Clouseau will always be alive through his films is kind of a touching one in that respect, if you really want to read into it that much. So this is a movie that I don't quite hate. I don't think it's a bad film or it's a bad attempt at trying to make a film like this. I just think that the use of clips of films we've seen before really does date the film because in this day and age, we have all of these films very accessible at a moment's notice. We can stream them almost any time from a variety of different places. And a lot of people who are really big fans already have these films in their collection and they've probably watched them multiple times. So having to watch this film... Other than the fact that there are some outtakes in it and there's some nostalgia and trivia to be had, I think it ends up making for the most expendable of the Peter Sellers Pink Panther films. So the best I can really give it is two stars out of four. Two stars on my scale means that it's lacking something vital that would keep it from being a film I could recommend to most people. And that thing that it's lacking is that sense of freshness, that plot that's easy to follow. And the fact that it really doesn't make sense if you want to pick it apart from a plot standpoint, if you've seen the prior films, and it doesn't even make sense within the context of its own film, it does relegate it to being a failure. So it's really for completists only. If you're a huge fan of the series, obviously you're going to give this a go. You may find some enjoyment in it, but I think for most people who are not already avowed fans by this point in the series, it's a movie you probably never really need to watch except to complete it. So two stars is the best I can give. Trail of the Pink Panther. Obviously, I already mentioned, I already alluded to earlier that the next film I'm going to be talking about on the show is its follow-up called Curse of the Pink Panther. 
It's very much a companion piece to this because it ties up a lot of the loose ends from this film, including what happens to Clouseau and what happens to the jewel, the Pink Panther. It all gets tied up in that film, and it does spin off into a different character. And I'll be talking about all of those details next week. Another fascinating look at a movie that was kind of a botched job in itself. So, Curse of the Pink Panther from 1983 on next week's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you have your own thoughts on this portion of the Pink Panther series you want to impart, you can find my contact information on my website. Links to my Twitter feed, Facebook page, and Instagram are all found there as well. Go to quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net for all of the details. And until next time, thank you so much for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies. Mm-hmm.